All right, welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Brandon, and we have week one in the books. So uh, definitely a full weekend of football for me. Brandon, I know you were busy and doing some other activities. Did you watch a lot of games outside of Michigan or just a couple? Um, I watched some of the Ohio State and Minnesota game. And <laughs> funny with that is you texted me and you're like, dude, Minnesota's beating Ohio State. So, you know, both kids were sleeping and I'm like, oh man, I'm going to turn that on and check it out. And as soon as I turn it around, turn it on, then uh, Ohio State starts turning it around. Yep. And I told you, like, I'm always a jinx because like, I'll look at ESPN at the scores. And if Ohio State's behind, I'm like, oh, I got to watch this. And then I turn it on and they start making some comeback. Like the momentum completely changes. You just need So I turned it off and you kept giving me updates. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still not turning it back on. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I watched that one too. I watched a few others. Uh, wow, man, I'm trying to I, I watched the Notre Dame game because that was a Sunday night game I watched a little bit of the old Miss Louisville game last night which was not as thrilling um and then Saturday was a pretty much a full day for the 3 30 game slot I was out uh running errands for a little while but yeah lots and lots of football so of course uh the one that everybody cares about, the one that basically everyone wants to talk about, uh, unless you're here for the Lions talk here in a little bit, is Michigan defeating Western 47 to 14, which was um, easily covering the spread, uh, but actually under uh, for the over under. So uh, our numbers for this week were not great. Uh, we both wound up just getting two points. Oh, wow. Um, cause we bombed our game locks and also since, uh, it was an even split three running touchdowns and three passing touchdowns, we didn't get anything for the, uh, <laughs> question of the week. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we don't really need to go in and break down the numbers, uh, a ton, uh, just some interesting things. Obviously the huge news out of everything was that, Bell went down with the season-ending injury, which is not too surprising with how it looked. Super unfortunate. Um, really sucks. Um, he does have – I'm getting some mixed information. He has at least a year left. Um, yeah. But I know it's potentially two with uh, possible red um, medical uh, pass for this year. Mm-hmm medical shirt. And, um, then there might be some more time on that, but either way, he's got at least a year left. Um, I mean, there are other capable receivers uh, and mm, relatively deep. The only thing I would say though, is not a lot of experience, um, is the thing. So po definitely a possibility for somebody to step up. Um, definitely, We'll just kind of have to wait and see how it goes. With the way that the game went Saturday, though, if they continue to have the success that they did in the running game, they won't have to lean heavily on the passing game, though, because there were only 17 passes attempted in the game between the two quarterbacks. 
Um, and that put up over 200 yards, but then for 43 carries, the team was able to put up over 330 yards running. So, uh, kudos to them for that. Uh, the signs are showing that potentially the, uh, was it running back by committee or the running back rotation could, uh, have potential to work Coram Henning and Haskins. Uh, led the way, even though Henning only had one carry, but it was for 74 yards. So, um, so I was happy and definitely okay to see that. And all in all, you know, I'll say it was a good positive performance. I had a good time watching it. McNamara looked good. Of course, everybody is going nuts with McCarthy. Um, and I mean, say, say what you want, and I don't think we're going to dwell on it too much or anything, but I, I don't want to hear anything about a quarterback competition. Like if McNamara, if McNamara suffers and does not look good, then fine. You can start having conversation then, but when both quarterbacks are doing good, McNamara has game experience. McNamara, um, you know, shows those leadership skills and is doing a good enough job and not like turning the ball over, mm-hmm. let him take it. Like let McCarthy get time, get experience. And you know, if, if next, if later on in the season or if next year, like he is showing that he has surpassed McNamara, fine, go for it. But right now from all the signs are pointing to McNamara has stepped into the leadership position. He is more than capable to do what is necessary. Um, and I know it's only Western Michigan. It's game one, so we're going to have to see how things progress. But he showed good things last year, too, uh, stepping in to get the win against, of course, it was Rutgers, but it was not an easy situation we put in. So uh, I think the biggest takeaways is, uh, especially since Bell went down, I think it's even more important that there is success with the running game. Uh, I think Coach Hart is going to do a good job with that, and I think it's going to be better than it has been before. Um, And I'm excited to see how it moves forward against the different defenses. We'll be talking about Washington here in a little bit um, after we get done kind of reviewing this Western game. Brandon, uh, some of your thoughts or takeaways from Michigan's game this past Saturday? Um, Like you said, the the running game seemed to be – much improved. Uh, I mean, they're playing Western who last year did not have a good defense. So it's kind of hard to gauge on that. Um, man, Corum, he, he kind of surprised me. Like, I guess I didn't see like a heck of a lot from him last year. They got me too excited about him this year, but he had some really nice runs. It's, I don't know. It just looks like he's improved quite a bit. Haskins, like he did pretty much what I expected him to do. Um, I thought he was Michigan's best running back last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he kind of showed that uh, this week, you know, with some hard runs, you know, ran through a couple arm tackles. There was one where he caught his balance. That one was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, the one that um, ended with a touchdown. Yeah, we put his hand in the dirt and got back up. That was pretty awesome. Um, and, you know, like you said, both quarterbacks, yeah, they played well. McNamara, uh, he looked pretty good. Man, that one touchdown pass that McCarthy had, that was impressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, which is hilarious because when I was watching it, like I said to my wife, and I'm like, yeah, this 
freshman quarterback just made a pass that like Matthew Stafford would have made. Like it was just all arm strength. And then it was a legit like a minute later that Dan Orlovsky, the commentator, <laughs> yeah, said that looks like a pass that a guy used to play in Detroit used to throw Matthew Stafford, and I just started laughing. Yeah, you <laughs> texted like, me I, that. I guess too. he would know because he was his longtime backup. But yeah, just like the you know the ability to scramble out of the pocket and just to make things up on the fly, and then just that throw is just all arm strength. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from one side of the numbers all the way over to the other side of the field and just kind of dropped it right into his hands. Um, so that was kind of encouraging. But like you said, when both are playing well, is like you stick with the guy with more experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned something to some uh, a friend of mine, and I was just like, man, you know, it's it's going to be nice to have that comfortable feeling of maybe having two capable quarterbacks because, I mean, that's mm-hmm. been the story for – gosh, probably since Harbaugh came in, you know, of being like, Hey, if quarterback one goes down, is the second one going to be able to step in? Um, I, I think McCaffrey was a comfortable backup, Yeah, but really outside of that, you were just like dreading it because then you watch <laughs> other teams like Ohio state lose a quarterback and then they go to their third string quarterback and they win a national championship. Right. And Michigan can't even make it past losing one quarterback. M- meanwhile, Michigan had to rely on John O'Corn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they, they still looked a little shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, guys were out of place quite a bit. Uh, there was a couple shining parts, and it was kind of what we mentioned last week. Um, Dax Hill, he played pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Hutchinson was like a one man wrecking crew there for a while. You know, it didn't really show up in a stat sheet because he only had one sack, but he was like consist- consistently in the backfield. Yeah. And just throwing guys aside. That was really encouraging to see. Um, yeah, I think he could be something special this year and he's likely going to be a first round draft pick in the NFL. Um, and then. Ross, he played really well too. He had a, he was out there just hammering people in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's, man, that's pretty much all I got. I was really disappointed when Bell went down because he was playing so well. Yeah. Oh man, that, that awesome one-handed catch that shouldn't have been pass interference. Um, and then, you know, had that long touchdown, and then he had the punt return which was awesome. And then that was the play he got hurt on. Yeah. 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 It was actually really uh, kind of a sad thing. Cause I was talking to my brother-in-law and he's just, uh, he started texting me and he's just like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm watching the game. I'm a little bit high behind live. And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, what? I was just like, well, the game's going pretty well, but just wait, you'll know what I'm talking about. And then yeah. he texts back a few minutes later and he's like, crap. <laughs> Yeah, and I knew it was bad from the second they showed him getting on the the cart, and the trader the trainer came and like whispered something in his ear and like patted him on the back. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, Ugh. but yeah, uh, actually, to kind of go on with what you were finishing with uh, talking about the defense, because uh, I didn't mention that exactly what you were saying you know there were some things that we expected to go well and they did 
and kind of a little bit of what we predicted would be at least a little bit rusty. I don't know if I would put it as a glaring issue, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes the defensive front not being able to get pressure on the quarterback, giving him time to pass, and that is when the secondary gets exposed. Yeah. And we saw that a couple of times. Nothing huge, nothing – nobody got burned, but there was definitely – a couple opportunities where they could have. Um, and so, I mean, this, as we were saying, this is Western Michigan. So even though the quarterback is really good, you know, you're going to be facing against better opponents in the future. So uh, still kind of raising some eyebrows at that, you know, maybe, maybe it was still a rusty game. I mean, I, I usually talk about the benefit of having a new coaching staff and new schemes and everything, but then you also have to look at the negative of that, where it's just like, you have all your players kind of at square one with mm-hmm. this system. Um, so not only is your opponent not sure what you're going to do, your team is still in that phase of being proficient at it, like getting to the point of being proficient at it. So you got to, you know, uh, clean off that rust and make it uh, improve week to week with that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, definitely feeling, um, uh, better more optimistic afterwards uh i just it just of course felt really good to see something because now there's more information to go off of more things to um base thoughts off of with things upcoming i would say cautiously optimistic is how i'm feeling yeah and i'd say it's i'm not fully sold because we saw it last year against minnesota (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah you know they came out just like railroaded minnesota and i was all excited and we all know how that season ended up but there was a lot of things i saw this past week that impressed me some things that you know could could be worrisome but i guess it's kind of like we have to wait and see because you know washington that we're playing this week doesn't seem to be as good as i thought they were going to be Oh, yeah, and we'll definitely get into that here momentarily. But uh, some of the players did address some things about that, about not being content. You know, they I think some of them even directly referenced last week or last week, last season, and, you mm-hmm. know, how things started. So, um, but, yeah, we'll be talking more about Washington here in a moment. Uh, we have two voicemails this week. Uh, before we do that, I have to apologize because I did a miss pronunciation last week so marisa i pronounced your name wrong i apologize i was kind of going back and listening and i noticed uh you said your name and i read your name when i responded because google voice does uh writes out the message and everything and they spelled it and so i didn't pronounce it correctly so my apologies there um but we do have two voicemails this week and uh, we'll go ahead and play those back to back here and then give our thoughts afterwards. So let's uh, get those going. Right. What's going on, fellas? Um, just finished the workout while also watching the Michigan game. I'm going I'm to get to it quick. This is what a running back group is supposed to look like with a real running back coach. And not, I don't even want to say the guy's name. His daddy's the head coach. All right, that's all I'll say. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mike Hart 
has done wonders for this running back. And you saw him. Blake Corman is the best running back on the team. Let's be real. Well, the best running back that we see getting getting touched. We don't know what Donovan can do, but Blake Corman is better than Hassan has. He just did. But I'm glad they have both of them. A true one-two punch. Now they know what they're doing. The offensive line is blocking well. Well balanced. Kane came in and made some timely throws. I hate it for running. I'm pretty sure he's out for a while. Maybe the season. I don't know. Excuse me. But Dalen Baldwin, he's, he can be the one, you know, next man up. That's just the way football is. It's a physical sport. K, man, from last year to this year, it looks way different. Um, everybody's, you know, covering their assignments. Like, this is how Michigan should look, to be honest. And I know I saw on, on social media some fans of rival teams saying, well, it's Western Michigan. Western Michigan is a Division One team. Charlotte beat Duke. Or Charlotte fans saying it was just Duke. You know, look at what North Carolina did against Virginia Tech. So, hey, when you when you put the pads on, anything can happen. It was just Appalachian State in 2007, too. So all of a sudden, you want to make it seem like, well, beating Western Michigan is, is no feat. They played a well-rounded game. What I really wanted to touch on was this. Did y'all see how good the, the secondary looked with Dax in open space? Not having a guy like Don Brown, who was very stubborn and very moronic and a lot of times, really did wonders for this thing. It did, because you get to, you got to see how much of a weapon Dax was. Vincent Gray even looked better, and I didn't think that could happen at all. I got nothing bad to say about that dude. I don't know what Jimon Green was doing. I didn't really hear much about him. But the defense looked better. The defensive line needs to clean some things up as far as giving up four and five-yard chunk plays. They did okay. Aiden Hutchinson is a beast. They need to get some more monsters on the defensive line that are bigger. But I'm impressed by them. I know it's the first game. You know, next week is, is, is you know, next week is possibly the game that can get Domani Jackson to flip to Michigan or not. But well-around the game, Coach Harbaugh is finally let backups play, get reps. That's great to see. That's what Michigan needed. So, hey, go Blue. Okay, I was going to play these back-to-back, but hold up. Hold up. Steven actually said something positive about Gray. <laughs> we talked about that, too, during the game. Like, hey, Gray's making some good plays. I wonder if Steven saw that. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Oh, man, that that is funny. Uh, but I do concur with you, uh, Steven. There, it was good to see that, and... Uh, even though I just mentioned some things about the secondary is absolutely improved. So, uh, and time will, time will tell how improved. So let's uh, hit up the next voicemail. So get to hear from Steven again. Hey, this is Steven Brown. I I don't even know my Twitter handle, man, but I'm going to get right to it. So this is my second call. I told myself I was only going to try to do one this year, but you know, reading Twitter, man, I gotta, I gotta address this. So I already see some Michigan fans complaining about Washington losing, saying stuff like, well, they need Washington to win. So Michigan's resume will look better, which, which is, is, is crap. It really is because and these are, this is how you know certain people are born after 1997. Because as long as you take care of your business, it doesn't matter. I don't hear, I, I'm not going to hear. Georgia fans complaining about Clemson losing to Georgia and saying, well, we, we, needed, we need Clemson to be better. So if Clemson loses another game, Georgia fans are not going to be like, man, well, you know, that sucks because we needed Clemson to be a one-loss team. 
Now, granted, Clemson is an ACC power, and they, it was a top five matchup, but Clemson's not a top five team. I knew that going into the season. They have a top five defense, maybe, but that offense is garbage. Like, we know it. Uh, Clemson's probably going to lose another game. Even if they don't, it doesn't matter. Clemson's not a top five team. But back to Michigan. Why can't Michigan just win and people be happy? Now, I, certain wins are different. The win against Army a few years ago, that was a bad win. And thank goodness, once again, Don Brown is gone. But all Michigan has to do is worry about Michigan. And I want the fans to worry about Michigan, too. Uh, you know you know who needs to blame for Washington losing? Blame Montana, because Montana beat them. It's got nothing to do with, with them overlooking Michigan. If they did, so what? If Michigan beats them and, and, and wins certain games on their schedule, which are winnable, especially Indiana and Wisconsin. I hope y'all see that now because Indiana's not really that good. The starting quarterback got benched. And Wisconsin's okay, but they got no defense. Then Michigan is cool. All Michigan has to do is, is focus on them, get better every week, and get to the Ohio State game with, with maybe one loss or maybe none. Who knows? But but let's stop getting mad because Washington didn't. I mean, so what? They scheduled this game years ago. Washington's just really not that good. They never were. I don't know why people were scared of them. They, I mean, and they might come out and play well, but they're not that good. So if, if Michigan beats them, it is what it is. That's just another win on the schedule. And all Michigan has to do is, you know, win and win those conference games and move forward. So y'all stop complaining about everything, man. Like for real. Go Blue. All right, Stephen, thanks for those voicemails. Um, yeah, bunch covered there. Um, but to kind of get with that, I think uh, a thought that I have with it is kind of what's gone on with the team throughout the years in the past like 10 years or so. But it's kind of, uh, and I've addressed it at different points in time. So this, some people might recognize this from previous statements, but it's essentially like a sense of entitlement, but with the players and the fans, that's almost what it feels like. Because it's like, oh, Michigan is supposed to win. It's like, no, no, no one is supposed to win. The team that works harder, that's more prepared, that's more focused, wins. Like Appalachian State should have taught everybody a huge lesson. So as I'm going to say we, I'm, I'm kind of like taking a mindset from the team. It's just like, you know, no, no one is entitled. We are not entitled. Players are not entitled to winning. Fans are not entitled to winning. And that's where that whole mindset of coming in where it's like, oh, man, it sucks that Washington lost. Would it have been better if Washington won? Yeah. I mean, anybody can agree with that. But they lost. Big deal. Big whoop. I'm with Steven. It's just like it is what it is. If Michigan wins, it takes care of business. That's the way it is, and that's the way it should be. And not saying, again, as I said, that Michigan – it should feel entitled that's like, oh, we should go in and win because that's when mistakes happen. That's what happened with that's where things started with Appalachian State. You know, oh, we should just walk in here and we should just win. And then yeah. that's where where problems happen. And uh somewhere along the lines, I can't remember where it was during the podcast and everything. Um I, I believe it was maybe I can't remember if it was an episode we did with Rashawn uh, with the blueprint or not, but it's just like, you know, some people talk about, it's just like, you know, you're supposed to win at Michigan. It's just like, doesn't matter what is supposed to happen or not. You have to make it happen. So doesn't matter what Washington has done. 
Michigan has to make things happen. So, I mean, that just goes in line with our show me, don't tell me. So, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon, any thoughts from the two voicemails from Steven? Um, man, I guess really, you know what you were saying too, like the whole Michigan has to win kind of thing expected to win. And, you know, I guess I'm kind of guilty of that too. Maybe not as much as I used to be, but um, I guess everybody kind of expects their team to win. And I guess I expect more from Michigan than I do. Like, I don't know, maybe the lions mm-hmm. <laughs> just because, you know, in my lifetime, Michigan was like that powerhouse and, you know, you could go into these games of smaller teams and expect them to win. Uh, but yeah, the whole Washington losing to Montana it was more of a surprise, I guess, and a disappointment. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, just looking at, I'm looking at some of the stats here, uh, not to get like too stats heavy, but their quarterback threw three interceptions and no touchdowns. Like, how often is that going to happen? Yeah. And he threw for like 230 yards, mm-hmm. which and is it- a fair amount. <laughs> Yeah, and actually they're down receivers and they still emphasize the passing game. So yeah. that I think tells you how bad of condition their running game is in. Yeah. But yeah, their quarterback, he must have been hit quite a bit because he he had four rushes for negative 24 yards. <laughs> but he had a touchdown. Dang. <laughs> but yeah, just weird. Um yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, I thought, you know, I guess I'm more disappointed because I thought it was going to be a more competitive game. That's where my disappointment comes in, not the fact that, oh, Washington didn't win. So then if Michigan beats them, it's not going to be look as good on the resume. That crap I really don't care about. Yeah, everybody knows that the the narrative always changes. Like if Michigan, if Washington was ranked and Michigan beat them, then everybody would be like, oh, well, Washington wasn't really that good anyways. Yeah, and I guess my biggest issue with Harbaugh teams have been playing down to the other team's level. Yeah. And they're definitely guilty of that, like when they play Michigan State. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, where it's just like, you you have to take everything that Brandon and I just kind of said in perspective because it kind of sounds like, oh, well, Michigan's supposed to win. Well, yes, technically they're supposed to win because – a lot, most of the teams they're facing, they have the better talent. They should have better coaching staff, more physical athletes, all those things. But it's just like mm-hmm. people more so fans and players at different times have gone into those games saying Michigan is supposed to win instead of also thinking Michigan, there's always the potential to lose. Yeah. And that's the lesson that I was saying is from App State, where it's just like there's always the possibility of losing. And so if you go in, with expectations like that of saying, you know, we're supposed to win this game just from like an entitlement mindset. That's when you become more vulnerable to losing it. That's where you saw some things with some of those Michigan state games. Yeah. Which just was stupid. So yeah, Yeah, there's no gimme games. There's Mm -hmm. yeah. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. So uh, cause I mean, I, I can guarantee like, you know, even when Alabama plays like South, christian high school um (laughs) for the blind 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> that they're still pounding in them. This is a football game. This is like the best team that you're facing right now. Go out there and you know win a national champ, like you're winning a national championship, and that's what mm-hmm. they do. So, um, but yeah, you did a nice kind of little transition there, moving into talking about what Washington, Washington, who was ranked twenty. So now we have an unranked matchup between Michigan and Washington. Uh, Michigan was just outside of the top 25, apparently, in the rankings. But uh, their game ended in 13-7. to Montana beat them 13-7. to So very, very um, uneventful game. Uh, two scoreless quarters. And uh, Montana came from behind and secured the win in the fourth quarter. As I mentioned, um, they focus a lot on the passing game, uh, 226 yards and only 65 on the ground. I mean, part of that, you have to look at negative 24, as you said, from the quarterback. Uh, but even if you tack that on, that doesn't break a hundred yards. Um, so yeah, very interesting that they find themselves without some of their key receivers. I think their main one, um, was a player named Polk. I had that in uh, my notes a little bit here. Yeah, that they had a receiver go down during the game and get injured, uh, kind of like Bell. So now he's out for the season. And they have three other receivers that are week to week. And so their receiving core is uh, spread thin, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Now, Say what you want to about Montana. More people are have emphasized Washington's defense than their offense, even though they let a team like Montana um, come in and then outscore them, obviously. So they let uh, Montana put up 105 passing yards and 127 rushing yards. So obviously for Michigan, that kind of – Looks like it would bode well since they look to be a little bit more susceptible to the run game than the passing game. But we'll see how Michigan has to kind of adapt and see what they're they're given. They have a couple uh, defensive players that really stepped up. Uh, Sermon had nine total tackles, six of them solo, and then Gordon was uh, seven seven tackles himself and a tackle for loss. So it is, I think, going to be an interesting defensive game. A lot of people were saying that they felt like it was going to be a bigger defensive matchup. Um, But with the way things are leaning since Michigan, even down Bell, um, Michigan's offense seems to be more complete. that it might be one of those instances where Michigan just kind of slowly pulls away throughout the course of the game. I don't think it's going to be quite as explosive uh, as Western was. I think there'll be some of those bigger plays, maybe no 70 yarders, (laughs) Um, but I think it's going to be kind of a slow methodical one. So um, you were talking about Washington a little bit. Did you have any more um, thoughts? I didn't want to cut you off too much there. Um, not too much. I think you pretty much touched on all the the main players they had. Um, 
I guess it's worth a mention that, you know, they have Jackson. Giles Jackson. Yeah. Familiar name there. Yeah. Um, and they did have a guy, one guy with a sack, which is Cooper McDonald. But yeah, it doesn't look like they were getting a heck of a lot of pressure. So, you know, that could contribute to the loss as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're I, I forgot to mention Giles Jackson. So and he was uh some people were not too happy to see him slip away, but honestly, I think that Michigan is all right with uh with that change there. I mean, wide receiver is a, a deep part of the team. So mm-hmm. but yeah, it'll be it's a it's a night game, ABC, APM. Um, oh, I didn't even talk about the uh spread matchup and all that fun stuff. So Michigan is favored by six and a half points right now, and the over under is 48 and a half. Um, so they're still expecting a close game. I, I with with how things panned out, and we'll get there when we do score predictions at that and everything. I think that uh Michigan will be able to top that. Uh, it's supposed to be a maze out game. Uh, a lot of people are getting pumped up for it. I hope that they have a Michigan's all of course going to have a good show um, show for the game. And actually, uh, oh man. Yeah. That was it. The last major s- 2019 was a funk of a season. So 2018, I was there for two night games. Oh, no, no, was it two night games? Yeah, I think it was two night games. Anyway, one of them was Wisconsin. Uh, so when the fans show up, they show up. Uh, and that's what they're looking for this weekend. So I think uh, I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I think people are excited to be back in the sands for a night game too, especially. So Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that even if Michigan – has the opportunity to uh, roll over Washington with their passing game. I think they're going to stay focusing on the running game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's kind of been the mantra for Harbaugh since he came was the idea of like wearing down a team and that's how you do it through a running game. And so even if, it's obvious that the passing game is wide open. They're still going to try to pound it if they're having enough success with it. So uh, this one might not be as flashy as this past weekend. Uh, I think Corum is going to Corum has great vision. I didn't mention that before. Yeah, he Um, really does. That was something that we haven't seen a lot with uh, past running backs since Harbaugh has been there. Um, you saw some running backs and you're just like, man, you know, that you had a better gap here, which is of course easy um, saying in hindsight, but it seems like Corum has that better vision and Haskins has that power and decent vision as well. And as Steven was talking about that one, two punch. So I'm really excited to see that against a, um, a better defense and how well that fares this weekend. So uh, we'll, we'll talk more about specifics, um, uh, when we give our score predictions, but of course we're going to touch on week one for the NFL. 
man, it almost kind of, kind of feels weird turning things over to pro football. (laughs) It does a little bit. And it's kind of a season that we really don't know what to expect for the lions. Mm -hmm. um, Other than that, they're probably not going to be very good. Uh, Complete change in the coaching staff. Uh, Man, this team looks almost completely different than last year. You know, know, like we talked about in the offseason, Matthew Stafford's gone now, so now we got Jared Goff. Uh, The receiving core, we pretty much have no one (laughs) except for Amon Ross St. Brown, the rookie from USC. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what he can do. Uh, I think he's probably going to be our best receiver. Uh, Tyrell Williams is okay, but he's injury prone, and I think he's actually kind of banged up right now. And then they picked up two guys I'd never heard of. Um, I can't even remember what their names are now. That's how great I am, right? And how prepared I am. Um, but anyway, they are going to be playing the Niners at home at 1 p.m. on Fox. Um, the Niners are had an interesting season last year. Um. Uh, because you know they had a lot of injuries and with the the weird 2020 season with covid and all that um they didn't do all the best they're definitely a team that has a lot of talent and could challenge for a championship uh if they could stay healthy mm-hmm. um, biggest issues there with them are running back defensive line and quarterback which are all kind of their strengths at the same time. <laughs> they just had so many injuries last year. Uh, you know, they got Jimmy Garoppolo coming back as a quarterback. Uh, they also drafted Trey Lance from North Dakota State in the first round. Um, so, I mean, if Garoppolo struggles this season, we might see Lance, but I honestly think that they're going to have him sit out a year just because coming from a small program, and not a lot of playing experience, even in college. Mm-hmm. I think sitting out a year in behind Garoppolo would be very beneficial for him. Uh, he has all the tools, but it's just that experience and you know learning the game a little bit more um, would really benefit him. Uh, the the running backs they kind of go running back by committee, but Raheem Mostert's probably their number one guy. Uh, he's pretty good, but he gets banged up a lot. He was one of those guys that was injured a lot last year. Uh, unfortunately, he was on my fantasy team, so that was fun. Uh, they also have rookie Trey Sermon from Ohio State. Uh, I guess people are expecting a lot from him, so it should be interesting. Uh, and then like the receiving core they got, I mean, George Kittle is listed as a tight end, and you know he does all the stuff that a tight end should do, but the way he catches and runs with the ball, he's basically a wide receiver. So he's like their number one target. Uh, and then they got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So they have a pretty young receiving core, uh, lots of speed, lots of talent. And, you know, the Lions defense is not looking very good. <laughs> it was pretty bad last year. Uh, it's probably going to be bad this year. You know, they did add some pieces in the draft, and they're hoping that um, some guys can step up. Last year, some of the younger guys. 
uh, especially their their first round draft pick. So I I don't know. It's going to be a rough year for the Lions. I hope Okuda, the first round pick from last year, can step up and kind of show that he is worth that number three overall pick. Um, and I'm hoping that Amani Orowarie can step up too. He played pretty well last year. I think the areas of concern for the Lions are going to be wide receiver and secondary. Uh, I think the offensive line should be pretty solid. Jared Goff, you kind of know what to expect with him. He's he's above average. But that wide receiving court, these are the guys that they have. So Trinity Benson, which is a the guy they traded for from Denver. Uh, Quintez Cephas might be familiar to Michigan fans um, mm. from his time uh, in the Big Ten with uh, Wisconsin. Um, we got Kaderil Hodge was a guy they just picked up in waivers. Uh, Tom Kennedy, who's a former um, lacrosse player. Khalif Raymond. Amon Ross St. Brown, who I talked about earlier, and Tyrell Williams probably has the most experience out of that whole bunch. Uh, so pretty thin. <laughs> so we'll kind of see how that goes. Luckily, they do have TJ Hawkinson coming back at tight end. And uh, their tight end, too, is Darren Fells, who is a serviceable veteran. Uh, he was actually on the Lions a couple of years ago. So and I see him come back. But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't see this game going very well for the Lions. Yeah, well, <laughs> as as we had the long conversation last time, I, I hate doing the first game predictions yeah. um, for anything. So that's where we find ourselves with the Lions this week, where it's just like we have nothing to go. I Well, okay, there's preseason. But let's not forget that the year that the Lions went 0-16 was when they won every single preseason game. <laughs> so yep. that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> So, yep. Um, yeah, just I'm really expecting them to get either the first overall pick or maybe the second pick. <laughs> draft. <laughs> Hopefully they could you know, get a quarterback or something, because I really don't think Gop is the answer. Yeah, and I don't think that that was their plan for him to be the answer anyway. So, right. I feel like he's kind of just a placeholder. I think they took him on in the the Stafford trade so they could get another first round pick. Mm. Took his his big contract. But um you have any thoughts for the game? Um I I have more of a question. Um I'll probably have more thoughts next week because uh you're more in depth with the lines than I am, but I kind of had a question on what if if you had to say you feel like one thing is going to be successful for the Lions um, in their first game, like what what is going to have mm. the most success? Passing game, rushing, uh, defensive front, secondary, kicking, like special teams, wh- whatever. If you uh, had to put something down saying, I think this is going to have the most success, <laughs> where would you put it? That's a tough question, and I want to be a jerk and say that the punt game will be good <laughs> because Jack Fox is really good. Um, nice. I don't know, man. I I guess if I had to the coin toss, yeah. If I had to take a decent, educated guess, it would have to be running the running game. Okay. Um, especially if DeAndre Swift gets healthy, 
Um, I mean, they also do have Jamal Williams from the Packers. Uh, he's a really good running back, and they got this rookie, Jamar Jefferson, who they're really high on. So, and then with the improved offensive line, you know, we got Ragnow at center, and he's a pro bowler, and he might be the best center in the league. Uh, he's right up there. Uh, they got the rookie, Panay Sewell. Um, he showed some flashes in preseason, showed some growing pains in preseason. I mean, it, preseason, it's going to happen with a rookie lineman. Uh, it's one of those things, it's like they have to adjust to the game. It's a difficult position to pick up on. They got Taylor Decker, who's a pretty serviceable left tackle. Jonah Jackson, he showed some um, some promise last year um, as a rookie. And then they got uh, Vitae. I'm not even going to try to say his first name. Okay. It's like Hala Palavati or something like that. <laughs> some long Hawaiian name. Uh, he, they moved him from tackle to guard. Which is his more natural position. So, I mean, I guess he has to be better. <laughs> but doesn't always mean that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, solid line, better running back group. Um, you know, and Hawkinson, he's a he's a great blocker at tight end, and Fells is a pretty good blocker as well at tight end. So, and I think they're really gonna try to lean on that running game more. Yeah. Especially with the, the the thin wide receiving core they have. Hmm. Rock. Well, sounds good. I think uh did you have anything else or should we go jump into uh predictions? No, I think we can get into predictions. I talked enough about the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Uh, do you want to start with the Lions or do you want to start with Michigan? I'll just start with the Lions because Michigan's kind of the one that everybody's waiting for. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I will, uh, I'll let you, since you just got done talking about it, kind of roll right into your prediction then. Okay. Um, so the Lions come in as a seven and a half point underdog. Um, do you remember what the over-under was? Wasn't it like 41 and a half or something like that? Oh, yeah, I got that right. Uh, 45. 45, okay. Um, I, You know, like I've said a couple times, I'm not expecting the Lions to do well this season, and I am expecting them to lose. I don't think the Lions offense is really going to do much against the 49ers defensive front. That The 49ers are stacked on the defensive line. It's It's ridiculous. They have a lot of first and second round draft picks invested in that defensive front. Uh, they got a solid linebacker core and a decent secondary, so I can't see the Lions being able to do much with the limited weapons they have on offense. So I'm expecting the Niners to beat the Lions 28-13. to 13. So I, I think the Niners are going to cover that spread. Yeah. But they're not going to reach that. They're going to go under the 45. Well, you suck because now I feel like I have to change mine because I had 28 to 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the Lions. they got to kick some field goals. Yeah, for sure. Dude, even Our- that is different. They don't have Matt Prater. I know, right? So, like, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, they dumped their kickers in that whole situation for their roster. Screw, screw that. No kicking. Always go for two. Austin Siebert is their new kicker. <laughs> Who's wearing number four, which is a disappointment to me because that was Jason Hansen's number. Boo. <laughs> and he was the kicker for like 45 years or whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to. Uh, I'll uh, I'll adjust mine just for a little bit of a difference, but actually, it's not going to do anything much because we're still going to have the same um, expectation. So I'm going to go with a loss as well, um, <gasps> and not covering the spread with the under because I'm just going to adjust my score to be 13 to 31. San Francisco winning. And I was going to say, I was kind of on the same page as you, where if I had to put money on anything for the Lions to have success with, quote-unquote, would be the running game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we've got really nothing to go on. So we will uh, find out Sunday, right? Oh, yeah. Sunday, Sundays. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And since we're ready to be disappointed with the Lions, because, I mean, we know what the season is, I mean, it's just to watch to see what happens and think about the future. Yeah, see how some young guys develop. Yep. Rock. All right, so then uh, kind of into the main event, as we're talking about Michigan's huge unranked matchup against Washington Saturday night, 8 p.m. on ABC. <laughs> okay, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but yeah. Was that your Jesse Ventura impression? <laughs> uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it was pretty close. All right. Well, we'll take it for that. Um, so, yeah, as we already stated, it is the over under 48 and a half with Michigan favored by six and a half points. Uh, um, I'll go ahead and kick things off with this one. Um, I'm feeling good with Michigan, you know, not too crazily optimistic for the whole season, you know, build over with the more, uh, more tape that we get to see. Uh, but I'm going to, uh, say that Michigan handles this rather comfortably. I think it's going to be, uh, a s- more slow and drawn out where Michigan slowly kind of like pulls away over time. Um, and so it's not going to be as flashy of a game as we saw this past weekend. I feel pretty comfortable putting out a score of Michigan winning and covering the spread, but staying under the 48 and a half with a final score of Michigan 27 and Washington 13. <laughs> Dude, I, I was like anticipating you to say my score because you were so close. Um, it's hilarious. Um, I originally, when we did our preview, I had Michigan losing to Washington, but now with what I saw, you know, this past week with Michigan and the what I didn't see with Washington. <laughs> Uh, I had to change my score, and I, you know I think Michigan's going to win as well. And I'm right there on the same page with you. Basically, I have Michigan uh, taking this one, twenty-seven to ten. Okay. Yeah. Which is hilarious because when you were talking too, I'm like, maybe I should bump mine up to thirteen. 
And then when he said 13, I'm like, I'll stick with the 10. <laughs> can't have the same score. Yeah, definitely can't do that. All right. Well, there we go. That's uh, score predictions for this week. couple things here to close out then on. We, do, we have our game locks. Uh, I've got Big Ten and Brandon. You're going to be doing NFL this week, so you can pick anything from any division. Uh, I'm uh, looking at the Big Ten this week. Man, there are some interesting ones. I think what I'm going to go with, though, is... Sure. Ouch. Ohio State disappointed me last time. They broke even on me. So now I'm mad at them even more than usual. (laughs) Um, I, I think I'm going to have to take Nebraska not covering Okay. because they are playing Buffalo and, uh, Buffalo put up 69 points last week. <laughs> so <laughs> who's the other team, Rob, Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> right? Did he purposely not score. So they could end up with 69. <laughs> Uh, so I'll take Nebraska not covering the 13 and a half um, against Buffalo. Rock. And uh, what about yourself, Brandon? Uh, I'm going to lock in that the Niners cover that seven and a half against the Lions. It's the biggest spread of any NFL game this week. And honestly, I think it's the most reasonable. The safest bet. The the safest one. Rock. All right. And last thing to close things out on, then we have our questions of the week. Uh, And actually, I kind of was collecting information and got mine together while we were uh, discussing some things. And I I feel like I dug up kind of an interesting one. So my question, and I'm going to give a little context here before I let you answer first. Um, my question for Michigan this week is will Michigan break 200 yards rushing against Washington? Now, mm. the context, uh, context is that Michigan, where did I put it? Where did you go? Crap. Um, Michigan has not had back to back games with over 200 rushing yards since 2017. And that was Rutgers and Minnesota. And interestingly enough, that was two 300-yard rushing games back-to-back. So last time they did this was in 2017. So here we are in 2021. Is Michigan going to break 200 yards against Washington and make it the first time since 2017 that they have 200 yards in back-to-back games? Hmm. I am going to say no. Okay. I think it's going to be a little bit more balanced. I think, you know, there might be a little more passing this time around. Rock. Well, I am, um, I agree that I think there'll be a little bit more passing, but I also feel like this might be getting in the groove that Harbaugh has always wanted to be in, where it's run first, pass second. So, if they have enough success with it, I don't think they're going to give up on it. So I'm going to say yes, that Michigan will break 200 yards rushing 
against Washington. So then we got our Lions question, Brandon, what you got for us? Mine is who will lead the Lions in receiving yards versus the 49ers? So there's a possibility that neither one of us could get this right. Gosh. You know, this is not just receivers. This is, you know, running backs, tight ends, anything. (laughs) Just because the receiving core is so bad, I feel like this had to be the question. Yeah, I um I, I'm just gonna go out there then and say probably one of the more dependable ones uh that we've seen lately, and I'm gonna say Hawkinson. <laughs> That's exactly who I was gonna pick too. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know, we don't have to have different answers if we don't want to right now. So right. Because we are tied two to two. Who knows what are these guys we've never heard of that they picked up from somebody else might be awesome. You know who it's going to be? It's going to be Goff. <laughs> Throws it to himself. <laughs> like like Mr. Perfect back in 1990. <laughs> Nobody's probably going to get that reference, but... <laughs> uh, I Look up the perfect pass. <laughs> everybody frantically searching. All right, I'm going well, to there... post it to the Twitter page so that everybody can see it. Nice. I'm looking forward to that one, so... <laughs> All right. Well, Blue Bros getting back into full swing. Lions football and Michigan football uh, going to be a busy weekend. We always thank you guys for hanging out with us. Don't forget, uh, this is Blue Brothers Sportscast. It's real talk, real fans. So we have our voicemails open each week. You can talk about Lions. You can talk about Michigan football. We always share the number out there if you want to call in because it's always easy to get a hold of us. Uh, call in and you can do... Uh, voicemail and they're usually about three minutes long so that number is 551 blue bro or the number is 551-258-3276 we'll finish here and end with go blue go blue